everybody. Welcome to season two of Heads Up, a show about mental health and wellness. I'm retired school counselor Sue Mullen, and I'm with my co-host here today, licensed family therapist Diane Vaccarello. Hi, Welcome, Sue. Diane. Well, thanks for having me and for us being able to be back in the studio live. I'm really excited about that uh, for season two. For those of you that don't know, this is, in fact, the first time that we have shot this show in the same space together. True, face to face. Right. So I have been um, laughing with Diane a little mm -hmm. bit because uh, when you're on Zoom, you can hide a multitude of things, like what you're wearing under the table, <laughs> like whether or not you use the notes that are in your, in your lap. But today we are absolutely delighted to be back and to be able to come to you from uh, BCTV, Bedford Community Television, and uh, I thought we might begin by just doing a little bit of uh, sort of a highlights reel from last season. How's that sound to you? Love that idea. All right. Yes. So uh, Diane came to me last year with uh, an idea for, for this show, and I jumped in both feet first because I couldn't think of anything that I would rather do than reach out to the listening audience and talk about mental health and wellness, particularly as it uh, applies to children and families. Mm -hmm. So we did 12 episodes, I think maybe 13 actually, because we had yes. one where we just let viewers ask questions. That's true, yes. But uh, we covered anxiety and depression in children and adults. Mm -hmm. We talked about being your authentic self. Mm -hmm. We did uh, a two-part series on suicide prevention and then took on the imperfect topic of perfectionism. And we ended our season with sort of a focus on what it means to be good enough and how you know when good enough is enough. Yes. Did you have a favorite episode? Good <clears throat> question. I really like the authentic self work. Mm -hmm. I know that it's sort of, uh, it's a little bit more compl complex, I would say. It takes a few um, series to get into that. So we just did a really just barely touching the surface, in my opinion, on that one. Right. Um, I think anxiety is something that people ordinarily want to hear more about in terms of like ways of coping and understanding how it mm -hmm. affects and impacts people. Um, I really liked at the end of our season, we did the question and answer part of it because we're always interested in what our viewers want to hear about. Right. So we would definitely invite everyone who's watching. Um, if you have specific topics you'd like to learn more about, Sue and I are more than happy to put that together and really right. bring to you what it is that you are looking for. So, but my personal favorite is the authentic self kinds of work. Well, I, uh I appreciated that was also a double episode. Uh, yes, we, we had true. so much to say that um, just the concept about having uh, a face that you wear for the situation that you're in. Yes. And that sometimes that face is not, in fact, 
your true face or your authentic face and yes. looking at what it takes to sort of let go of being the person that you think other people want you to be. Right. And being yourself, I thought that was, uh, I found it helpful in my, my own life. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that many of our audience uh, members would look forward to either picking up on that topic again right. or for me, Mm. Uh, my favorite episode was the one on uh, good enough. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because I felt like that was the episode where we started looking at what it means to give permission to people mm. to not necessarily have to be an expert. You right. know, the gold medal winner, the uh, highest grade in the class. Right. And so I, I really, I felt, I felt like that was our liberating episode. I agree. I really like the idea of being able to teach um, and appreciate vulnerability, mm -hmm. to be able to teach uh, ways of um, good enough being not only good enough, but actually really fantastic. Taking a curiosity type of approach to life, mm -hmm. observing things instead of just knowing, feeling the pressure around knowing everything, being able to actually say the words, I don't know, mm -hmm. and not having, you know, internally a right. panic attack or an actual panic. You know, people feel a lot of stress to be perfect or right on the money. And so it actually ties in really well with what we were thinking of talking about today. Mm -hmm. um, it touches on a lot of the things that we did last season <clears throat> as a way of sort of kicking this off. Um, I think it applies a little bit more to the idea that there are all sorts of ranges of anxiety and um, a, a continuum of functionality. And a, a category that I think doesn't get a lot of attention, but um, is something that I think a lot of people could relate to, is the idea. Okay, let me just stop you for one second. Oh, are so we going to have a Our trauma? topic today mm -hmm. is high-functioning, people who are high-functioning yet profoundly affected by anxiety. Exactly. Okay. High-functioning anxiety. Right. So... Um, Interestingly enough, our local newspaper did an article on uh, the two of us oh, recently. Yes. yes. And described us as having two very distinct styles. Yes. Uh, it made me laugh right out loud because <laughs> I always think of me with my research yes. in, my, in my hands yes. and uh, my sort of uh, preemptive reading. Mm -hmm. uh, so, if I interrupt you, I'm only playing the role of the viewer, and hopefully, Perfect. it won't kill your rhythm as you're uh, as you're explaining what it is that these viewers definitely want to hear about. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Diane, high functioning anxiety. What is it? So it's something that I think uh, <clears throat> deserves a particular attention. Um, because they think more people have it than we would realize mm -hmm. in the sense that nationwide, um, if you just look at the generalized anxiety disorder, it roughly affects 20% of the population. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, when someone has anxiety for a significant period of time, there's a 60% chance that they will also have co-occurring depression at some point. So. Um, with people who have high functioning anxiety. Because the anxiety is exhausting? So exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's draining to um, 
to worry, but it's also draining to mask that worry. Mm -hmm. And so you were talking a bit before about the idea of, you know, good enough is good enough and how people can, um, you know, put on, there's actually a psychological term called masking. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes associated with people on the spectrum disorder who um, want to fit in with a neurotypical, you know, sort of presentation and they will mask in order to like cover up certain um, uh, symptoms, if you will. Mm -hmm. And sometimes ADHD, somebody sort of shaking their leg will work really hard to keep it still mm -hmm. and not let it be known that they have this symptom. So with high functioning anxiety, we, I think a lot of the viewers probably know what a lot of the symptoms are of anxiety, but high functioning individuals um, mask really, really well. You wouldn't know necessarily that behind that curtain, they have all of that uh, going on behind. In fact, they mask so well that sometimes um, the very anxiety that they're struggling with has them coming off as energetic, outgoing, mm -hmm. high achieving. Mm -hmm. They may present traits that we tend to think as being positive. Exactly. So it's really tough for someone with high functioning anxiety to actually um, be vulnerable and allow somebody to know what's mm -hmm. going on for them because one there's the fear um, that guides that quite a bit the fear around the idea that um, well that people will find out there's a lot of people pleasing tendencies mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. a lot of concern around what people think <laughs> um, that they maintain this level of high functioning capability and quite honestly just that people wouldn't believe them or take them seriously because they're like well you like this is look at what you do how how is that that you have anxiety you know they don't want to not feel believed and right. so there's a risk there so there's a tendency to um, act as if yeah let me let me read this list <clears throat> of positive characteristics great outgoing personality punctual arriving early for appointments proactive organized high achieving detail oriented orderly and tidy active helpful appears outwardly calm and collected, passionate, and loyal in relationships. What's not to like about that? Exactly, and why would you ever not want to be that, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this inner um, looping that really creates a lot more pressure to sustain that for a long period of time potentially forever, you know, that kind of idea of I can't drop from that adds a whole another um, point of stress. I think the other, what you're emphasizing is some of the characteristics or qualities is someone who is over, is extra in a lot of the areas. So overthinking, overdoing, overachieving, um, you know, there's individuals who present that way, but that does not mean that they don't take a tremendous amount of coping in order to tolerate that uh, output. So sometimes some of the symptoms are um, just exhaustion, irritability, mm -hmm. um, you know, wanting to, again, that perfectionistic tendency tends to go hand in hand, mm -hmm. uh, and it's really difficult to <clears> let balls drop, you know. So what's the internal experience like for the person who is experiencing this? So interestingly, um, people tend to be quite organized in certain ways. And again, there's a lot of um, success, if you will, that mm -hmm. goes along with this. And again, positive sort of characteristics, but too much of anything can be too much. And so that person tends to 
sadly not really be able to appreciate much when things go well. They, they uh, want it to go well, but the window in which they actually can celebrate that or embrace that is very narrow and very short. So they reach a goal, maybe it's even like getting a bonus or something like that, and within a short period of time, that good feeling goes away pretty quickly because they're on to the next thing. They're and over it. Yeah, they're over it. And on the other hand, if it doesn't work out for them, mm -hmm. the devastation is a much bigger swing in terms of feeling like they failed. There's a lot of overcritical kind of thinking, um, oversensitivity, and um, really uh, criticizing themselves can also feel like criticizing others, um, you know, right. and then turning it right back on them. And I'm certain the fear of downward spiraling for sure that you know once something doesn't go your way that somehow or another it must be an indicator that the whole world is about to crumble yeah there's a fear is definitely at mm -hmm. the um, heart of most anxiety but for sure with this that they that it'll lead to a collapse so you have to keep it going okay so we've got this list of qualities that sound like they're everything we could all want to be. Yes. The flip side of it is the negative characteristics that mm -hmm. come with high-functioning anxiety. That list, you've already mentioned um, being a people pleaser, mm -hmm. being afraid of driving people away or letting others down, um, talking a lot, mm -hmm. nervous chatter. Mm -hmm. I that was interesting. Filling no. in silence or blank. Yeah, not yeah. being able to sit with quiet. Mm -hmm. hmm. Nervous habits, playing with your hair, cracking your knuckles, biting your lip. Yeah. Needing to do repetitive things. That sort of teeters on that compulsive behavior. The OCD yep. there, yeah. Overthinking, lost time, uh, the need for reassurance, mm -hmm. procrastination mm -hmm. as a method of... Uh, dealing with fear of poor performance or failure. Exactly. Uh, avoiding eye contact, ruminating, intending to dwell on the negative, particularly the what ifs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure we all know the what ifs, right? Right. And also the idea of if then, like if I don't do this, then this will happen. So there's a very tight, narrow margin there. Right. And that cause and effect. Mm -hmm. uh, keeps things churning. Keeps things churning and keeps things on the more rigid side. Mm -hmm. So again, not having that sense of flexibility or fluidity really kind of um, works against a person. Mm -hmm. it, it keeps them feeling like they have narrow margins and they have to just kick it out of the park in order to make it good. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Limited social life, sometimes the inability to enjoy the moment. Yeah racing mind, insomnia, feeling intimidated by the future. So all of these things, when you're talking about somebody that's a high-functioning, anxious person, all of these things are sort of happening behind the, the scenes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, the um, outward symptoms are pretty subtle. Mm -hmm. the, um, for that person, though, it is, you know, sort of being on a front stage. We're on stage, so to speak, right now. And so there's a front stage and then, you know, in a, with a play, when you see a play, there's the curtain and then the backstage process. Mm -hmm. So the backstage is actually um, 
quite sort of organized also tends to be, but the idea of just sheer exhaustion can take away from a person's ability to just be with someone mm -hmm. and for that other person to feel like they are being listened to or really um, right. connected. Right. So relationships can sometimes suffer. They just don't feel like the person is there sometimes. Um, they're doing and performing and all of this, overachieving, but the connectivity um, with others and with oneself. Mm -hmm. So that part around um, connection with yourself, it's really important for people with this over um, sort of like high functioning anxiety to take moments out of their day, even five minutes. You know, exercise is one way that some people mm -hmm. feel like mm -hmm. they can um, de-stress and just shift like the tension in their body. But someone who, who's overachieving and high functioning also tends to do all out with their exercise. It's like counting their steps or it's, you know, making sure they get X amount in. Um, it's very rare that they just take a walk to take a walk and just see what might be around them. It's tuning into all the senses. You know, it's, it's a different it, yeah. way of exercise or mindset. Yeah, that, that concept of being present and being in the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but uh, I, when I was working with kids and families, uh, I, I had to be mindful of not thinking about what I needed to say next, mm -hmm. not worrying about whether or not Johnny was going to be late for class right. if we were at a moment where something powerful was happening. Uh, how does one do that? I mean, yes, exercise. What are what are other options? I mean, can you train yourself not to be over anxious? Sure. There, it's important that we take care of like the physical part of it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, shifting the breathing, especially the out breath, just to sort of like ground our body a little bit and, and get into our alpha state, which is basically a relaxed state for our body. Mm -hmm. Again, tuning into all the senses means that we are more grounded in that way. Um, but it's also paying attention to our cognitions, the thoughts that we have, and coming mm -hmm. up with mantras, literally, that you say over and over and over again, um, like I'm doing the best that I can in this very moment, you right. know, reassuring um, that this is going to be good enough, you know, mm -hmm. to get through. It's mm -hmm. more focused on process layers than the outcome of achieving the whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, but it's paying attention to what does this feel like in my body. So it's bringing right. us back to that instead of just constantly looking forward. There, that's another feature is um, anticipatory anxiety is another mm -hmm. common layer mm -hmm. to um, high achieving uh, types of anxieties. And so you start getting layers on, on top of layers and it's really exhausting and stressful. So I um, would say that shifting a thought pattern um, moving the body, being literally more flexible, mm -hmm. keying into the idea of not tying oneself to the outcome so mm -hmm. strongly. Mm -hmm. It's really mind over matter in a lot of ways. Yeah, so some of the reading that I did mentioned um, that there were generally three areas that people tended to turn towards if they felt that they were in need of help managing their anxiety. Mm -hmm. One was talk therapy. Mm -hmm because that in and of itself plays a role. Yes. One was whether or not somebody needed medication mm -hmm. to assist them. Yes. Um, because 
you know, there are different kinds of medication. There's the medication that your therapist indicates right. that you might need. There's also self-medicating behaviors, exactly. which are not great. We'll talk about those in a minute. Yes. Um, but what you're alluding to when you're talking about the breathing and, you know, sort of reminding yourself to be in the moment is really mindfulness. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's identifying, um, sort of orienting yourself to person, place, and time, right? Mm -hmm. Being really clear that, um, you know, you are what it is that your goal actually is at a higher 50,000 foot view versus mm -hmm. getting stuck in a lot of the minutia and details that can really um, get a person going. So I think part of it is um, uh, grounding the physiology is important because once we start changing the breathing pattern, mm -hmm. it will help with um, the emotion center of the brain and realizing that this is not like a fight, flight, or freeze moment. This is not an emergency. This is not something that's like mm -hmm. life-threatening. Mm -hmm. um, helps us to really like slow down and step back and say, what do we actually, how do we want to be when we walk in that, through that door to the next room that we're going into? How do mm -hmm. we want to be when we're in front of this next person that we're going to be talking with? Mm -hmm. And really um, making a decision to control more of those parts of the body because it feels like, you know, there's a lot of pressure to control um, things and to control the outcome. But if we can control our physiology a little bit more, mm -hmm. we don't need to over control these other things, right? So the counselor role then in a situation like that would really be uh, more as a coach. Exactly. Than because people who are anxious for the most part know that they're anxious. Yeah. So yeah. it's a question of what do you do about it? And, you know, sometimes even in the moment with someone, I will mention to them that they're holding their breath huh. because they are. And mm -hmm. it's like drop the shoulders. You know, it's just coaching around that. Right. It's also around the idea of what was it that you were telling yourself about that situation and just mm -hmm. doing a check on, again, the conversation a person's having with themselves if they're yeah. adding more pressure. Um, and really poking holes in the idea of what if that worst case scenario happens that you're concerned about, mm -hmm. um, breaking that down a little bit and doing some predicting, which can help a person. Otherwise, there's a tendency for procrastination, as you alluded to earlier, right. um, because the pressure around really having a fantastically wonderful uh, product or outcome mm -hmm. on something also leads to um, you know, that sense of procrastinating, I got to get this really, really, I got to nail this. Right. Um, but then it can lead to a kind of freeze. Um, and oddly enough, really high achieving, high performing can just pop off the map and just not show up to something, right. which sounds so strange for a person, but that's when you know the symptoms are really increasing. So how do you, how would, uh, how would an individual, how would a parent looking at a child know the difference between just this, you know, fabulous list of characteristics mm -hmm. and the tipping point when those fabulous characteristics become too much. How would you know the difference? Such a good question. That's part of why it's important to just be talking about this and actually mm -hmm. identifying that when a person, whether it's an adult, can talk to 
a friend or a coworker, and you know, it might be sort of one of those things at first it comes out, oh, sure, you, you know, you have anxiety, but no, I actually, this is what my experience ends up being like. Mm -hmm. And then other people feel like they can come to that person and talk about what that is like for them. Mm -hmm. It's um, kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit on that. With kids, it's really interesting because they tend to have this um, internal process. They don't know really sometimes that other people don't feel that way. So it's really checking in mm -hmm. and, and trying to help um, process a little bit what their experience is like. What mm -hmm. is that like for you? Is a question that can really get to the backstage stuff. And maybe looking at um, their reaction to not being first across the finish exactly, line. Exactly, that's true. The volume of disappointment yeah. or angst mm -hmm. that a little one feels. Is when, someone able to shake it off? Yeah. You know, yep. can they roll with the punches, exactly. as the case may be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Basically present with some resiliency, some flexibility, um, when it really gets to be like a, a lot of pressure, uh, you're not seeing those characteristics. You're seeing, you know, kind of more extreme words and um, presentations and really stuck sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and um, like a zero to 60 kind of presentation on, on their um, irritability or stress or mm -hmm. um, handling emotions. They just kind of are full. Right. And so it's the spillover. So if you're a parent, you have a school counselor that you can give a call to to yeah. see whether or not they can sit down with you mm -hmm. and help you sort through all the information. Mm -hmm. Primary what, care physician, primary care. Yep. What about if you're an adult? So if you're an adult, I would also say that primary care is someone who you know you would want to um, reach out to. Uh, it's part of this. Also, can be. Um, there's a genetic component for some people. Mm -hmm. um, being able to talk with a therapist just to process what is going on and some coping strategies for dealing with this. Mm -hmm. um, and again, being able to destigmatize that a little, at least within your own family, mm -hmm. and recognize, yeah, I have like a type A personality, overachieving. You know, what happens if I step back? Can I test that a little bit, experiment with that a little bit? As right. a family, you can create a culture of, um, allowing something to drop or fail to a degree and how to uh, overcome that in a way that doesn't just, you know, make it feel like a collapse. I remember having a conversation myself with my mother and almost mm. falling out of my chair when I realized that she didn't know she was anxious. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. Her awareness level was right. pretty low or she didn't want to present like she was. I think her awareness level was pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I, I want to thank you for obviously being willing to jump back into the host seat again. I look forward every week to uh, whatever topic it is that we have in front of us. We want to encourage our uh, listening audience to get a hold of us via email or uh, through. BCTV, BCTV. Mm -hmm. if you have any specific topics, specific questions, we would love to be able to respond directly to you as a community, as opposed to Diane and I sort of prescribing what we think the community needs to hear. Exactly. So uh, I look forward, as I said, Diane, um, closing thoughts before we wrap up today? 
Yeah, I would say um, recognizing that being overachieving, there's, you know, there's a difference. Allowing ourselves to be exactly sort of who we authentically are. I think some of what gets to the root of this when you're growing up in a family system or a culture where that's really encouraged, there's a lot of positive feedback loops around all these accomplishments. Um, deep down, let it be like that the true you is coming out as well in this process, that you can allow people to kind of take a look at what that is, what the struggles might feel like or be like, um, being real basically with this. Um, and, uh, you know, being able to um, recognize that there's more, I would say more of us. I will definitely put myself in the category of like an overachiever in a lot of ways, but I've learned to um, care a lot less about what other people think in terms of their opinion mm -hmm. of things or of, of myself, and that, that makes a world of difference. And so I think um, being real with ourselves and others is a really important um, way to combat that and, and feel much better in the process. Thanks so much for joining us for Episode 1, Season 2. We'll be back next week with another edition of Heads Up. Go!